0: Hi, you're listening to Go See a Show, New York City's independent theater podcast. If you're only passingly familiar with the history of the Federal Theater Project, Theater and Asylum's new production, The Nobodies Who Were Everybody, is a great primer on this fascinating bit of American history. But the show's much much more than a history lesson. And its resonance with our current moment in 2023, both politically and in the conversations around theater's role in our country, it all adds up to quite the timely work of art right now. I caught the first matinee of their run at Jalopy Theater in Brooklyn, then sat down with some of the artists after the show to chat. I'll let them introduce themselves. Take a listen. We start with everyone's name on the microphone. We'll start with our returning guests we have back to the mic.
1: Hello, my name is Katie Palmer. I'm the co-director of this piece and the co-artistic director of Theater in Asylum. What's the piece? The show is called The Nobodies Who Were Everybody.
2: We also have with us... I'm Paul Bedard. I am also the co-director of The Nobodies Who Were Everybody and the co-artistic director of Theater in Asylum.
0: And we also have with us, for the first time, on Go See a Show, Show, Show.
3: Jessie Mae Atkinson. Hello. I play Catherine in The Nobodies Who Are Everybody.
0: So, uh, The Nobodies Who Are Everybody, we're at the Jalopy Theater uh, in Red Hook, Brooklyn. And what is the show? Uh, You know, this is how I start every podcast. I love the title. I love that you told me why it's titled that by the end of the show, even though it totally makes sense. Was like When that moment happened, I was like, oh, that's lovely. Um, but what is it? When you tell people, come to see this, it might not be uh, obvious from the title. So what are they coming to see?
2: The show looks at a moment in American history when, from 1935 to 1939, the federal government used tax dollars, public funding, to directly support theater people, uh, both giving artists a steady paycheck and also subsidizing tickets for audiences. Our show follows six artists uh, plus one mu- six theater artists plus one musician who uh, participate in and are employed by the Federal Theater Project. Uh, and we see it from the beginning of the project in 35 to the demise in the, of the project in 39 when they were all accused of being communist and the Republicans in Congress shut the whole thing down.
0: Now, why would somebody make a theater piece? about this that is just wow that's this is some ancient history man like 90 years ago who cares obviously i'm being uh sarcastic but it's um at the risk of spoiling the piece i I don't think this is a spoiler but you while i think any person who has paid attention to politics in the past five years will look at this and say like oh my god obviously we have this is a conversation we should be having you you go even further talk to me about like where this, how this came to you. I mean, obviously it is timely, but what said, where did the spark come from for theater and asylum? Did you like pick up a, a copy of Arena and say like, oh shit, we got to do this? Or where did it start?
1: Yeah, o- almost. Um, more specifically, there's a book called Furious Improvisation written by a woman named Susan Quinn. And that book is a fantastic, super accessible history of the Federal Theater Project, so we highly recommend anyone who's interested in this time to go check that out. Um, And that, and then leading from there into Arena and Hallie Flanagan herself, the woman who was the director of the the Federal Theater Project. Um, So that was really the core and the inspiration. And then throughout the collaborative process, we've been really wrestling for over two years with, is this a show about the Federal Theater Project, or is this a show about uh, fictional people who worked in the Federal Theater Project um, and this, the tension between telling the story, telling the history and also making a dramatic story that really worked with um, the, the humans that were on stage living the Federal Theater Project every day. So that was our, the tension that we kept um, weaving in and out during the um, creation process. So it was a really, really exciting thing and I'm really proud of where we got
0: yeah, I would say that would be really generative, like that that tension. And speaking of you know collaborating, this is there's no playwright listed. Uh, when when come one comes in and looks at the program and says, "Oh, who wrote this piece? Brand new play uh, created by Theater and Asylum." Uh, two year development you just mentioned. How how do how do you? That's hard. How do you do that? Especially, I mean, the past two years. This is 2023. We're talking about. Um, you know, August 2021, things weren't necessarily quite eh, right? So talk to me about that.
2: Uh, well, we are an ensemble-driven theater company, and uh, many of our shows begin with short experiments that we create together that we then perform in cabarets. So we do these cabarets uh, usually once a year where... You know, we have the kernel of an idea that might become a show. And then we invite lots of other artists to bring other ideas related to the same theme. We try to line up as many contradictions as possible in one short night. And uh, we did a show about uh, public funding for the uh, cabaret, about public funding for the arts. And uh, people brought in pieces about public funding in Europe. There was an Afrofuturist piece Uh, there was a piece about how uh, public funding has become just commercials. Like what if commercial theater was all we had uh, and it became even more commercialized than it is now. And we had a 20 minute excerpt of uh, what's essentially the first scene of this show. And then uh, we kept bringing in more people to uh, more actors to devise the process. Uh, We also had a couple book clubs where we invited anyone to read uh, two different books with us One was Furious Improvisation by Susan Quinn, which Katie mentioned. The second was Radical Black Theater in the New Deal by Kate Dossett. And uh, then we did movie nights and play readings of federal theater shows. And eventually we had a script that was created not only by actors who were devising in what might be similar to a standard devising, not that any process is standard, but uh, another devising process, we also had tremendous contribution from people who, you know, were just there for the book club or who were just there for the movie night. And uh, yeah, it was a community effort, I would say. And it's,
0: it's resulted in this show that's taking place in a, th- a theater that's not a theater theater, uh, which is, I think, a really uh, a good choice for what's going on here. It, it creates for a unique playing space for all of us to enjoy. Jesse, for you coming in as a performer, are you more, I, I think I heard that you're a little bit of that kind of cabaret slash musical world too. Does it help to have that kind of background to come into a space like this, to perform for people where you you were sitting not a foot away from me for <laughs> a ma- lot of the show? Um, like what talks to me about like performing in a space like this as a, what a performer.
3: Yeah, I, I love performing in spaces like this that aren't traditional theaters, but um, I feel like it provides more opportunity for more interesting staging. I also really enjoy being near the audience. Um, I do get to actually acknowledge the audience at one point in this show, which is my favorite part. Um, I actually I do think that coming from cabaret and and it's sort of improv improvisational, when you're this close with the audience, sometimes there has to be some improv even in your movement like you said you're right next to me you know like we might have to navigate around people's feet or things like that and i think it actually keeps everything very energetic and um fun and exciting i guess in a way
2: live
0: yeah well and it's <laughs> also thematic uh that we you know we there's all this talk about bringing people like theater out to the masses and you mm-hmm. have this great stuff again no spoilers but there's one of the things that I really appreciated was that tension that you put into the script about that—the difference between you're performing here in the the mecca of American theater versus like let's go to the where the people are the people like and the people need theater. Do they want theater? Like that was another really great bit of tension that I'm so happy was in here because I feel like. You just dramatized the past twenty years of my thinking on theater. <laughs> so, um, and, and to put a, to put it into a space like this, that it's like it's a theater. It's not quite a, like it, it felt right, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, all that is to say, I'm really excited that I was here, and I'm, I'm struggling for another question because I'm just so I'm full of ideas after this, which is, uh, and I'm also uh, this is uh, this should, this podcast is not about editorializing, but I hope everyone who's a theater artist uh, in this town who's feeling a little bit like is next uh comes to see this because i'm i am, am leaving here with like a okay all those projects that you've been talking about you damn well better start them you know like i so thank you for that bit of inspiration maybe which brings me to uh finally is something of a formulated question which is what is that what you wanted or do you want the radical communist like uh, revolution of like you know are we going full <laughs> Judith Molina here? Like, what what do we what do you want? What what should I be leaving here with? Because that's what you gave me.
2: Well, something was that intentional. Like, something's got to change. You know, it, we bring it up in the show that you know it's 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 a problem that neither artists have the support they deserve, nor audiences have the art they deserve or access to the art that they deserve, and you know that is a problem. But beyond that. So so many works of art don't happen. And beyond that, so many skills are wasted because people are so exhausted working jobs that are meaningless. And everyone in this country, artist or not, deserves to be able to put their skills to work and put their passions to reality and live a fulfilled life. And, you know, especially in New York City, which is the most resourced city in the most resourced state in the most resourced country on earth and yet we have this extreme inequality and this extreme lack of access to what you know other countries have made it possible and you know we have made it possible to varying degrees at different points in American history and one of the questions that I have with this topic matter is why was the story of the Federal Theater Project and why was the story of Halle Flanagan buried? Why, Katie and I both went to NYU, why was it never mentioned in theater history class? Who benefits from burying this story? Uh, You know, and I think so often in American politics today, so many of the problems is from a lack of imagination and a lack of historical understanding of we could and did have better. And we could do it again. We could do something (laughs) even better now. So I I do hope that people leave with... uh, uh, like a righteous anxiety to to change things, because it it's so clear that it has to change.
1: Yeah, I'll say that as we were talking, as I was talking just a moment ago about the tension between is this a show about the FTP or is this a show about the artists? I know it's going to sound a little silly retroactively, but we really realize we're making it a show about us. We're making a show about. The hard working people, not the celebrities, not the people with the big Broadway contracts, the people who are here in New York City, to make art and commit to that lifestyle um, and to commit to those people and this community. Um, and as we continue to make it and refine the piece, we really think of it as a gift to us, um, to, to the indie theater community. And the fact that you said that you were leaving with so many ideas, like that's it. Like that's what we would love um, and why we want people to come and artists to come because we want to hear each other's ideas on what, Is wrong and what could be fixed. And looking forward to like what could be, um, right? Because it did happen here, um, even though it was only four years. And so what else could happen here? Um, One of my favorite lines in our show currently is about, um, we talk about how like the NEA, NISCA, DCLA, none of it comes close to what the Federal Theater Project actually was, which was direct employment of artists, Um, The theater, like the government, was the producer of the play and the tickets were subsidized. Um, In today's dollars, the average Broadway ticket for an FTP show was $5.50. So, yeah, could you imagine going to a Broadway show for less than the cost of an iced coffee?
0: I can't imagine (laughs) going to an independent theater for that (laughs) show for that. I mean, although, like, you know, thankfully groups like uh, Theater and Asylum are working on this radical, transparent idea of like how to support uh, a theater company and offering pay what you can sort of uh options yeah six bucks if if every show was six bucks like i'd I'd see even more shows than i already do
2: yeah uh that's like a huge part of the equation that you know to my knowledge the nea has never like bought out a broadway theater so that there could be cheaper tickets you know every once in a while you see a private nonprofit that will do it uh the Federal Theater Project just did it at a much bigger scale. They, had, there were, uh, I believe it was two Broadway houses, and for four years, every single show that was in those houses had twenty-five cent tickets, which is five fifty today. So, I just can't imagine if if people could see theater the way that we can, you know, now see like Netflix or something like that level of accessibility.
1: And we're not saying that the government is the answer and the government Mm -hmm. is the solution. Our show talks a lot about censorship um, and a lot about how there is always going to be a tension between the people with power and the people who want to call out that power. Um, And artists are people who can do that. Um, So we don't have our rose-colored glasses on completely with um, thinking that this is uh, an easy solution. But it is there's more options than what we have. So we hope people leave our show inspired, thinking about more.
0: And Jesse, is that, uh, can you talk to me about like, why this was important for you to come in and be a part of? Because I know you weren't part of the development of the piece itself. So is this the kind of stuff that you're like, hell yeah, we gotta talk about this? Or like, it's a it's a great group of people to work on. Like, talk to me about your involvement in this material.
3: Well, I've been working with Theater and Asylum on and off for quite a long time. I just realized it's been eight years. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, And I haven't had an opportunity to work on a longer format uh, piece with them in quite a long time. I came in on the 2016 Debates Project, which totally changed my life in New York City. Um, And I've always been really involved with uh, politics and theater and what they can do together, um, which obviously Theater and Asylum does a lot of. Uh, And I had seen a few pieces of this and I had... Been uh, lucky to be a part of a couple of the cold readings of the FTP shows, like The Revolt
0: of the Beavers, Mm -hmm.
3: which was really fun. I
0: remember seeing that email and being very disappointed I couldn't come.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It was a fun one. I think I got to be one of the bad guys. It's great. Um, But So I was excited to get the offer again and um, to learn more about the FTP. I had heard, obviously, some already um, but coming into this project with all of these people, I actually haven't met very many of them. I uh, most of my actor collaborators are new to me, and it has been such a huge pleasure for me. Everyone is so passionate and dedicated, and. Everyone has really interesting ideas. That's something that I love working with Theater and Asylum on, is they're always very open to everyone's ideas and collaboration. Is Um, the
0: script still changing then? Like, was it still changing up till
3: opening? Yes.
2: What happens, like, fairly frequently is an actor will not quite remember the exact line, and then they'll make something up, and then we'll be like, actually, that was better. (laughs) Let's make that that the line.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I, um, and now that I'm here, I'm excited to work on it more and to really hear what everyone else is taking away from it, Um, you know, just hearing what you're taking away from it and everything. I think that this is going to spawn a bunch of new art from this piece and a bunch of new collaborators and people who meet here might go away and make things themselves, which I think is
0: lovely. I think you've got a... a you, you're onto something there because uh, I always say that one of the signs... It's not necessarily always the case. It, it's not necessarily always going to happen when a show is successful, but I believe a show is generally almost always successful when it's hard to get people out of the theater. And uh, we had to wait a while to do this. I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. <laughs> but it was really cool to see like there were people sticking around. People wanted to talk. People wanted to engage. And that's always the sign to me. Again, who, who am I except a jerk with a microphone uh, who... Shows up to independent theater productions, and um, I think that's a, that's a good sign. People want to com- they want to commune with their fellow artists and their fellow theater goers about the ideas that are here. So thank you for putting those ideas out into Jalopy Theater in Red Hook, Brooklyn, where uh, the Nobodies Who Are Everybody runs until
2: August twentieth is our last show. Uh, tickets are sliding scale from zero really to forty dollars. Uh, And they are available at theaterinasylum.com. E-R-R-E. (laughs) E-R. Thanks again, y'all, for a lovely afternoon and uh,
0: break some legs. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Katie, Paul, and Jesse, for hanging out after the show to chat. You can catch Theater in Asylum's The Nobodies Who Were Everybody at Theater. 315 Columbia Street in Brooklyn through August 20th, 2023. Head to Theater in Asylum, that's theater with an E-R, dot com for a link to tickets and more information. Thanks to you for listening into the podcast. If you dig it, please give it a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash go see a show and rate and or comment on the show's Apple Podcasts page. My name is Robert A.K. Gagno. You can find me on the internet at Robert Guigno, G-O-N-Y-O dot Until next time, go see a show. Go Beavers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Thank, Thank
1: you. Thank you so this much. Thank you, Jesse.